Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, our main topic is games that keep us coming back. We will discuss our favorites and why, after all this time, we still love playing them. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our PT retrospective is up now, and I'm going to start writing our Expanse episode this week. With all that out of the way, it's time for the Prelude. Prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to the Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? Uh, not too much. Well, uh, one big thing, I did beat Elden Ring. Yay! Yay! Now we can stop talking about Elden Ring! I mean, until you start playing it. <laughs> yep, until I start playing it, yeah. Yep, yep. But yeah, so beat Elden Ring. It was wonderful. Um, have, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's a fucking masterpiece. Play it if you haven't. Um, and I've started up the director's cut of Death Stranding because yeah. it is very cool. How exciting. Yeah. No, so it's you a lot did, of fun. Have, did you ever finish Death Stranding originally? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, you yes. Did finish. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. yeah I, I finished it. I did the whole thing. Um, this was like right after I got my 3080. So like late 2020. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I originally had it on PlayStation 4 right. way back when I had a PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. and I never beat it then. Mm-hmm. Then I got it on PC after I got my 3080 because it had like... Like upgraded graphics and it looked amazing and had a couple new things for PC and I was like yeah this is how I want to play the game yeah you know 60 FPS plus all that good stuff so all the good stuff yeah it played it through that way and when the director's cut came out it came to PlayStation first and I realized that I could get the director's cut and have my copy upgraded to the PS5 version for ten dollars yep and I was like well let me go ahead and finish it on PlayStation I only ever got like five hours into it on PlayStation mm-hmm. I think something else came out probably Ghost of Tsushima actually. probably yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, going back through it on my PlayStation because I'm uh, working from home in my living room right now. So I got like the TV. I got my console. It's a great way to uh, spend a work day, you know? Yeah. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoying it, feeling like you're still loving it as much as you did before? <laughs> Even more, actually. Mm-hmm. I can say that without getting into spoiler territory, knowing exactly what everyone's talking about while they talk about it in the beginning of the game really changes the way you feel about the game as it's happening to you. (laughs) Because before it was like word salad, word salad. Okay, I got some of that. I read a few of these entries and now like 20% of this makes sense. But I think I said this last night over dinner. This is a game that like if it was 20 hours long, then by the start of hour 19, I was like, this game doesn't have any idea what the fuck it's doing. I don't know what the story is. I don't know Mm. what's happening. What what is going on? And by the end of hour 20, I was like, that wrapped up so nicely. What a great and wonderfully crafted game. So it's really that like last injection of context that really ties everything together. Mm. But having those puzzle pieces going through the game a second time just makes you appreciate the acting and the characters so much mm-hmm. more because, like, the earnestness it means something to you. It's true. It absolutely does. Uh, over on my side of the world, uh, just a really weird, quick recommendation. Um, I've been in this this headspace where I can't wait to actually take a vacation once the world has regained some semblance of sanity. And obviously, Hector and I have been talking for a long time about taking some vacations together. And one of the things we've kind of been bouncing around is the idea of us going and visiting Japan. Mm-hmm. So I started watching a YouTube channel called Abroad in Japan. Um, it's by this uh, host named Chris Broad. 
Um, he is a UK person who moved to uh, Japan in 2012 for the Jet program. Uh, he basically just started kind of a vlog, and this thing has taken off. It's got like over like almost three million subscribers on nice. YouTube. Um, he has a, like a full team that helps him do it now, and basically just like goes around Japan and just like teaches you about it. He was like, here's strange, funny things in Japan, but also here's like some really great shreds. One of my favorite things that he does is he goes to abandoned places. Oh, cool. So he does like, he's like, here, we're going to go to like an abandoned amusement park. And I'm like, that is my shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Please do more of this. And he's not like playing it up like, oh, it's haunted. He's just like, this no. is what happened. This is the story of it. You know, this is interesting for you to be able to check out. And I was like, I love this. Um, he actually has done some kind of mini documentaries where um, he, I think it was either last year or the year before, um, he went to uh, Fukushima. Oh yeah, and it's kind of life post the. Oh yeah, uh, after the after the the, 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 the tsunami the and like the the yeah the whole fallout. And, and he just talks to residents about what life has been like for them, and wow. it's very kind That's of heartwarming. Crazy. And they're trying to rebuild, and you know they're very much of this. It, it kind of demonstrates like how we as humans process trauma a lot mm-hmm. when he talks to them because they're like, it's weird because we go about our daily lives, and we don't think about what happened all we're focused on is rebuilding and making the next day better but every so often it just kind of hits you and you go you know that's a thing that happened to us yeah you know and we're trying to figure out how to move past it yeah whenever i think about fukushima it's like the uh, uh, uh like uh, there was this headline at the time and like for, uh, it's not like it hard to make me tear up at all mm. but like it's never happened from a news headline before right and i remember back then um reading a report about a uh, this like large group of elderly japanese people who volunteered to help clean up the area around fukushima because they would be dead before the cancer really got them right. as opposed to the younger crew mm. who was assigned to go Jesus. in Jesus. Yeah, it's like, holy fuck. But yes, uh, so it's just abroad in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're interested in just learning more about Japanese culture, it's on YouTube. Um, it, the production value is off the chart. I, I honestly, when I started watching it, thought that it was like a travel channel or show or something that that's how high quality it is. So we do have a couple things we want to get into that we did together this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Do we start with the good or the bad? We start with the bad. Okay. We start with the bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't want to end with the bad. So we went to see Morbius. We went and saw Morbius. Yeah. It's, um, a character that I uh, grew up loving in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a character that I only know from the Spider-Man cartoon. Yep. He, he, he needs plasma. Give him <laughs> yes. plasma. Give him he gets plasma. it through his hands. He has hands of little mouths on <laughs> That's him. a cartoon thing. That's yeah, it's fucking comics. weird, man. But you know what? That movie would have been fucking weird. But <laughs> at least it would have been so, different. What can I say? Here's here's the thing. It's the studio that brought us Venom. Yes. But here's the thing about Venom. Venom, while it can be considered a bad movie, is carried by the amazing acting prowess Mm -hmm. of Tom Hardy. Oh, yes. Yeah. That movie is absolutely carried by its main character. Like While the plot of Venom is thin, while they had to just hit that 90-minute mark... Mm -hmm. Tom Hardy carries the movie, has comedic moments, has heartfelt moments. You feel engaged with the movie because of this. Watching Morbius, I saw threads of a good movie in there that were like, this could have been cool. And and I hate to say this, it could have been better if A... Um, they actually spent time on some of the really cool plot lines. Yeah. There are some really cool plot lines in there. They're just going to get discarded. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, not Jared Leto? Yeah. So, like, you know what? This could have been a good Jared Leto character 
if the movie was written well. Yeah. Um, and this isn't to defend Jared Leto. He is very hit or miss for me and mm. more often miss than hit. Um, he seems like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to insult Jared Leto. He's it, 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 there are some things he's been in that I love right. dearly, but for the most part, I it, he it, it, kind of a what have you done for me lately? Yeah, and um, yeah, this character was already a little bland to begin with, as far mm. as like the way it acts. It, this character doesn't have any swagger. Right, right. That's right. the thing. Tom Hardy's Venom has like some swagger to him. Yeah, and so this character was just like, well, I'm a doctor. It's like, right. but that was his whole thing. It's like, uh, bats. These vampire bats might be cool. And, like, that's how he spends the entire and movie. And I found myself going back and watching the initial trailers for Morbius, trying mm. to go, like... Oh, I remember watching the trailer... So deceptive. ...trying to be interested in it. And I don't, we don't want to spoil the movie, but also, like, if you're going to watch it, watch it on streaming, because, like, good boy. Yeah, don't don't go see this movie There's a really good line worth. in the trailer where, like, he starts threatening a guy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, who are you? And he goes, we are Venom. And then he kind of, like, steps back and starts laughing. He goes, oh, no, 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 just Dr. Michael Morbius. Yeah. That that joke landed for me in the trailer. Yeah. And then I watched the movie, and they, they cut took the, it out. They took it out. They took the joke out. Except he still says, I am, we are Venom. And the guy goes, ah! And then, like, that's the it. scene ends. And I'm like... Why did you do yeah. that? Joke? How is that? How is that editing? How is that? How does that make sense? Are we now to believe that Morbius is running around town posing as Venom? Like- right. And then, like the back half of this that I have to get into. This is like my, oh, this Lord. is very very minor spoiler territory. But look, it's not spoiling anything. In the trailer, they showed Michael Keaton's Vulture as like a part of the the, yeah, the whole thing. He's featured in the trailer in the a trailer, few times, like a few times. You're like, oh, okay. Well, it's gonna be weird to see how he got there, but like, I'm interested for the ride. And then he's like in like. Two post credit scenes, which make absolutely no sense. Yeah, the, the post credit scenes. The movie are ends abruptly. Weird. Entire plot threads are thrown to the wayside. Mm. Like it's just a waste of talent. Matt uh, Matt Smith tried, bless his heart, tried <laughs> so hard, and like it's just it's a mess. It's it a is. hot mess of a movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll, my thing, and this won't even be a spoiler, but the movie just ends. It just ends. I can literally only describe. The way the credits roll, like the time and point in the story that the credits roll, as inappropriate. Which, yeah. <laughs> dude, just inappropriate. Like that's not where the movie should end. Not only that, but the it, it, Mar- the superhero movies in general have very stylized credits. There's mm. usually something going on in the credits that makes them unique. It's not usually just white uh, white words on a black screen. Yeah. This one had. Something that I could also only describe as pretty inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I don't. There, there was no bat iconography. There was no vampire iconography. Mm-hmm. There was weird strobing neon lights. It was like vaporwave. Yeah, it looked like the background of a vaporwave YouTube channel um, that is nice enough to move for you while the while the soundtrack comes out of it. Right. Um, yeah, that was the vibe. And, and like, I, what does I, that have anything to do with I questioned Morbius? it in the theater. I was like, does anyone find these credit sequence very strange? Yeah. Like, it's just a mess. Yeah. No. Um, don't see it in theaters. Don't reward this behavior. This movie yeah. exists explicitly to set up other franchises. And just don't let it. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? If they want to do like a Sinister Six thing and Sony wants to set up their Spider-Man universe, blah, 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 then um, this is not the way to do it. I will not be back 
back for the next uh, live action Sony movie, I don't think, um, unless it looks very, very good. The best part about this entire movie was the um, extended trailer for um, into uh, Across the Spider Verse. Yeah, that was, that was great. That was yeah, great. Yeah, it was my favorite part of being in the theater that yeah. day. Um, but we did go see another movie this weekend. Yes, we did. And actually, we are definitely not going to spoil this one. No, well, I don't even know how we could. But okay, so I guess we'll just like blow kisses at this movie for the next few minutes. Yeah, go ahead. What is, what was it that we? Wanted? Okay, so the Daniels, uh, the creators of uh, movies such as Swiss Army Man, if you're familiar. If not, you should check it out um, soon before you see. Their next project, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. But if you get the chance, if you live near a theater that is showing it, go see Everything, Everywhere, All at Once in theaters. This is easily, easily my movie of the year. Mine too. Right now. Like, like I don't imagine and I haven't heard of anything else coming out this year yeah. that even holds my attention compared nope. to this. This movie made me feel things... In such interesting and amazing ways, the entire time I was entertained. I was laughing the entire movie. I was happy the entire movie. Even when it got heavy, even when it got incredibly strange, which it does. It's very absurdist, but it's just such an incredible movie. Uh, and I, I, I dare not even really talk about what's going on in the movie. Without the closest thing I can tell you about this it. movie is that it's about a mother... Sl wife, you know, trying to get by in her life and kind of failing miserably and trying to understand where it went wrong and how she can co course correct for it. Right. And that's the most simple explanation mm -hmm. I can give you without spoiling anything. Yes. And I will also tell you that given that explanation of the story, this movie is deep, deep sci-fi. Yeah. Like, like multiverse level sci-fi yeah. in the most interesting ways. Um, starring a powerhouse performance by Michelle Yeoh, mm -hmm. who, if you're at all familiar with Kung Fu cinema, you will know immediately. And if you're not, she's usually lately the mom in a lot of Asian-inspired movies like Crazy Rich Asians yeah. and the like. Um, she's a wonderful actress and always has been, but she got to flex muscles we've never seen her flex before in this movie, and we're all the better just, for it. It is hands down one of the best movies I've ever seen. It is definitely my movie of the year. Um, I, what I will tell you about the movie is when we went to go see it, all the jokes landed when they were supposed to, i.e. Mm -hmm. the audience was always laughing at the same time. Oh, yeah. But the bigger thing... Was during the heavy moments, the audience was crying together. Yeah, they you were, could hear in our the draft house we were at just people crying and just being like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, there, there was applause during yeah. the movie. That doesn't happen often unless you're in like a Star Wars re-release or something. Right. But there was literally people like straight up applauding at the end of the movie. I haven't seen that since the raid. Mm. Like that's the last time I saw people clap at the end of a movie. Mm. And this wasn't even for the end. This was just for like a really great moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't tell you enough. It's, it's powerful. It's yeah. moving. It. I walked away from it feeling something. I could possibly not shut up about it, except for the fact I want people to see it, mm -hmm. and also it's really hard to just describe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, yeah. Just go see the movie. Um, uh, watch a trailer for it. Honestly, yeah, the, the trailer. Watch trailer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're curious at all, if anything we said has sparked your interest, watch a trailer and you'll understand what we're talking about and you'll maybe get why it's so hard to describe this movie to you in mm -hmm. any real way. But um, I teared up. I'm sorry. I'll admit it. Like, all the time. Yeah, just, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. 
See, see the movie. Yeah, see the movie. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. All right, that's everything that we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break, and when we come back, we'll be going into our main news segment in the Weekly Raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Raid, our news highlights for the week. Starting things off this week, we toast to a legend. Mm. Comedian Gilbert Godfrey has been taken from us at the age of 67. Love him or hate him, his voice was legendary and his comedy timeless. Here's to losing another one of the great ones. Absolutely. Gilbert Gottfried. Um, absolute. Uh, like, I don't want to call him a comedic genius. That might be, like, heeping, like, like, like praise where, well, like, I don't know. I don't mean to blow any smoke up the guy's ass, but um, right after 9-11... The, they were doing a big comedy stage show that was planned long before. Mm-hmm. And it's a packed audience of people and who were just really weren't ready to laugh. And yeah. a few acts like came up, told a few jokes. It was a very... Very somber. It was a somber room. And Gilbert Gottfried got up, walked right up on the stage and told a 9-11 joke. And the audience booed. Mm-hmm. And literally someone in the audience yelled too soon. Mm-hmm. And... He turns around to the panel. It was like one of those like roast things where there's like like yeah. five, ten comedians sitting in couches next to you on stage while mm-hmm. you get your turn at the mic. Mm-hmm. And he just turns to them and turns back to the audience and he starts telling the aristocrats. If you're uh, familiar with his joke, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If not, there's a really great documentary on it by Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. Um, but he starts telling this joke, which is... Not a joke you really tell on stage. It's an old joke that comedians used to tell each other, trying to one-up each other with how gross they could be or how awful they could be or how dark they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a comedian's joke. It's, it's not a joke you tell on stage or to an audience. And he just starts going into it with his own rendition, with most of the body of the joke you make up yourself. That's the point. Yeah. And he just goes in with his own rendition, and the audience keels over, and they laugh, and the comedy panel is just laughing their asses off and they can't Mm. believe what's happening to him and he finishes the joke with a punchline the aristocrats which is that's why that's what it's called and everyone just stands up and applauds Mm. and i don't know who else could have done that in Mm. that moment at that time but that's gilbert godfrey to me that's that's what i remember when i think about him yeah that and iago because i love (laughs) because i love aladdin Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) all right Award-winning writer and director Takashi Dosher, um, who worked on the 2019 film Only, uh, has been tapped to write the screenplay for the upcoming film adaptation of the PlayStation title Ghost of uh, Tsushima. Sucker Punch, the developers of the game, will be working alongside the team making the film. Um, They'll be the executive producers, essentially. Okay, yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, is there more to that story? I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's 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 it. So Ghost of Tsushima as a game was masterful. And I can't imagine it being turned into a movie and that being a misstep unless there's unless somebody doesn't want to make a authentically good Kurosawa style movie. Right. And if that's what they're going for and with Sucker Punch as the executive be, right? producers, has that has to be what they want to do. Yeah. If they want to tell this exact story through cinema, 
There's literally a filter for it in the game. Yeah. Like, they can get this done, and it can be amazing, and it would honestly really break my heart if they fucked it up. But I feel pretty good about it, because they have such a solid foundation to build on. Yeah. Most of the time, when you think about a, vid a movie adaptation of a video game, you're like, ah, oh, no, that doesn't feel right. Like, mm -hmm. how are they going to translate, like, the meaning of X and Y and Z? Ghost of Tsushima's entire That's story... That's why I never seem to get excited when they ever say, they say, like, Bioshock movie. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no. you like, can't translate the, that, my no, man. The, the game is told through gameplay. The story yeah. is told through gameplay. In Ghost of Tsushima, you run around being a samurai, which is awesome for gameplay, and the story is told in cutscenes, which mm. is great for a movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this is... I really hope this is good. And like, the I'm template's there, right? It has to just it be like, like... It's just like, do a Kurosawa movie. That's... Yeah, that's but, 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 but with this story, right. with good actors, maybe the same actors that yeah. you got to play these parts anyway... That would be amazing. I would watch that movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it looks like it'll be... Uh, I, I've got my fingers crossed. I don't go into video game adaptations and go like, oh, like, great, you know, video game adaptation is going to be awesome this time. Um, but like, like you said, there's a template here and there's enough to have at least allow me a little monochrome of faith. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Let me just have some faith in this project. Yeah. No, I think it can be good, and um, I can't wait to see a trailer. Yeah. In weird Hollywood news, Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook have been brought on board to star in a film that I know is going to be making huge numbers at the box office. Hector, are you ready for Spirit Halloween, the movie? I honestly don't know what to say to that. I, well, how about I give you a byline? Yeah. Would that help? Yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Let me get my movie trailer voice on. When a new spirit Halloween store appears in a deserted strip mall, three middle school friends who think that they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend the night locked inside the store on Halloween night. But they soon find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters. The kids embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid becoming possessed themselves. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, I get it. <laughs> I love that you're just stunned by this. I, I mean, fine. Like. <laughs> I'll even see it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's it's so let's let's break. So, so so as far as horror movies go, as far as like the shovelware that horror movies can sometimes be is mm. this is one that I would pull out of a bin. Honestly, yeah. just on premise alone, I'd be like, wait a minute, they fucking made a movie in a spirit Halloween about spirit Halloween for Halloween. So about here, kids who don't believe in Halloween and then get haunted in a spirit Halloween. I mean, yeah. On one hand. <laughs> We are always talking on this show. We are always advocating for new and upcoming children's horror. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter oh, yeah. what it is. Just please, more children's horror is very important to do. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, this is obviously going to be an hour and a half to two hour Spirit Halloween store advertisement. Uh, but I mean, fine. I watched 80s cartoons as a kid. I'm used to being sold to. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Like, That's we, fine. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, I love their commitment to the idea that Spirit Halloween stores popped up in abandoned places. Mm -hmm. Like they're literally like, here's an abandoned they, mall. Yeah. We're going to put a spirit Halloween store in here because that's where spirit Halloween stores go. And because they can't <laughs> confuse children with it being in like a mall because they'd be like, what's a mall? Right. 
Yeah. But abandoned mall works perfect. Oh yeah. So the commitment to their own joke is kind of kind of nice. No, no, I like it. And I like the idea that it's a kids uh, horror movie. Yeah. That seems fun. The weirdest part to me is Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook. Like that where did that combination come from? I'm uh, pretty sure they're as far apart in age as I am old. <laughs> right. So like uh, who like did someone pick these two did they pick each other because that would really warm my heart i just don't know why these two people are in this movie (laughs) the world may never know actor oh man uh previously on the show we discussed how square enix uh had not been happy with the sales numbers for guardians of the galaxy the game Mm -hmm. Uh, but it sounds like not all hope is lost yet according to the creative director of the game thanks to microsoft's game pass the game seems to be getting a second life all we can do here is Basically, continue to recommend the game. If you have not played yeah, play Guardians, the of the, Guardians of the Galaxy, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, it's it's um it, it's the best Guardians of the Galaxy story I've ever experienced, and I love the movies, so that that's saying a lot. It's not the best game ever made, but it's a very very good story, and the gameplay is definitely serviceable enough to get you through everything and still have a pretty good damn good time. Yeah. So um. Yeah, yeah, play the game. And it's good it's coming to Game Pass. Yeah, it's it on already Game Pass. Is there. It's yeah. already on Game Pass. So it's yeah, Game Pass is the best deal in gaming. Get that and then play Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. We're not even sponsored by them, but like no, just do it. We should be. CD Projekt Red has revealed that Cyberpunk 2077's first expansion will be released in 2023. Uh, in their earnings release, they said that they do still believe in the long-term potential of Cyberpunk 2077. While the overall amount of people actively working on the project has decreased, Due to the upcoming Witcher game, um, it's nice to hear that fans of Cyberpunk still have more to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, uh, we kind of figured that they would release one DLC and then be done, even though they had planned to. We kind of figured they were going to just sunset the project. But it looks like we're actually going to get everything that they said they were going to do. Which is cool. I mean, I'm waiting for the first expansion to even pick the game back up. Yeah. Like, I've been hearing, like, oh, we made improvements. No, we made improvements. No, we made improvements. And all while all of that is good, I'm, like, like the, the first experience... You, you, you gotta figure they're not gonna release the expansion until they feel like the base game is where it needs to be. Right. right. They're not gonna just release a broken expansion. Like, how could you, like, <laughs> go, goddamn. Well, let's not be cynical, but... Yeah. It's gonna be rough. But yeah, I, I'm glad they have faith in the project still. Mm-hmm. I still want to play it. I'm just giving it a little bit of time like you are. Yeah. Um, there, I've heard nothing but the good things about the most recent patches. Mm-hmm. So just I'll give it a little more time to cook. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll go in after it's time to cook. Yeah. Finally, in news, it is time for the segment of our show that will not die. Blizzard, are you okay? <laughs> Blizzard, should you be in jail? (laughs) Now, before I get started on this segment, I want to say, for the record, Blizzard almost did it, y'all. They almost made it an entire week with only good news to their name. I was excited. I was elated. And I was also other various words that start with the letter E to get to this section this week. And finally, finally have nothing but good news to talk about here. Until Hector messaged me yesterday. Mm -hmm. Blizzard made it a whole six days this week with only good news. So let's start there. (sighs) Roughly 1,100 QA staff members at Activision Blizzard were converted to full-time employees this week. And they were given raises on top of that, bumping them to $20 an hour. However, 
This deal does exclude the Raven Software QA workers who have been in the front lines of attempting to unionize. Mm-hmm. So, so the message sent was everyone gets a raise except for those of you who want one enough to fight for it. How dare you fight us? Mm-hmm. It is a dirty, dirty tactic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's, um, yeah, it's. And here's the thing is that if you go and look at this headline, and this mm-hmm. is why I always cite multiple sources when I, when I put news into our stuff, mm-hmm. many, many of the sources that were cited for just kind of doing the research for this, mm-hmm. all of them start with headlines like Blizzard QA workers all get moved to full time. Even on Twitter, my, I, I have had mm-hmm. friends or people that I follow on Twitter that were part of Blizzard QA that were part time that are now full time and being paid more. And they're saying nothing but positive things. And thus, all of that is there, you know, to say, hey, Blizzard's doing good things until you read the whole statement. Yeah. You mm-hmm. read the whole statement of what they're doing to Raven Software and you're going, why isn't the headline this? Yeah, yeah, straight up. Why isn't the headline this? Why isn't the headline that Jimmy John's, our local sandwich delivery shop, pays you $20 an hour to make sandwiches and drive them to people? Right. So, yeah, the QA testers deserve more than that. And with the union, they would be getting more than that. Right. And full-time wages and benefits and the ability to not be fired from project to project. Mm-hmm. And the ability not to be so poorly abused that your quality comes out, that your project comes out with no quality because you abuse your QA testers. Yeah. How do you not understand this? But yeah. It's, it's tragic that the headlines that most people are seeing is, look at the good thing that Blizzard did. And then they go into the article and they go, well, yeah, like it's like 80% good. But then like, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. As you know, and this is not my analogy. I stole this from somewhere I can't even remember. You know, you have like a perfect meal, but then you put shit on top of it. Yeah. And so like, no matter how perfect that meal is, there's still shit on top of it. Yeah. And And that's what this feels like. And the thing is, like, like the the thing really is, is that Blizzard and and, and listen, if anyone who's at Raven Software and trying to form a union listens to this right now, you probably already know this preaching to the choir for everyone else. Look, the reason they did this is because they would love, love to be able to pay all of these people, $20 an hour. But they know that if they all unionize, they're going to be paying them a lot fucking more. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to stop. So don't give in. In fact, maybe join Raven Software, all you newly um, yeah, QA it, it, enriched QA testers. Now is the time to fight harder because what are they going to do? Yeah. Dock your salary back? Oh, no. <laughs> like, like, fire all of you and get more QA testers? Like, it's just, it pushes projects back. It's terrible. Look, the power of your labor is is everything. Without you, they can't release things. Mm-hmm. Organize and fight for better working conditions. We have your back. We have your back. We will support you. On the other side of the news this week for Blizzard, California Governor Gavin Newsom has been accused of interfering in the ongoing Activision lawsuit in a new report by Bloomberg. This is an ongoing lawsuit that discusses the horrific frat boy culture at the studio, including harassment and discrimination, as well as abuse by male workers and supervisors. According to the report, Governor Newsom, quote, began to interfere with the lawsuits by repeatedly demanding advance notice of litigation strategy and next steps in litigation. The demands reportedly came more frequent as the Department of Fair Employment and Housing started to win in the state courts. And the proctor's email states that the interference of Newsom's office 
mimicked the interest of Activision's counsel. Because of this, two top lawyers for the Department of Fair Employment and Housing have stepped down from the lawsuit. Now, we have a couple quotes here in response to the Kotaku article about it um, because they reached out. Mm -hmm. The director, director for Governor Newsom has said the following. Claims of interference by our office are categorically false. The Newsom administration supports the effective work the DFEH does under director Kevin Kish to enforce civil rights laws and protect workers and will continue to support the DFEH in their efforts to fight all forms of discrimination and protect Californians. Now, nonsense. the DFEH director, Kevin Kish, has said, in recent years under his, this administration and my leadership, the DFEH has litigated groundbreaking cases that are a model of effective government enforcing civil rights. We continue to do so with the full support of the administration. Our cases will move forward based on the facts, the law, and our commitment to protect the civil rights of all Californians. This is complicated. Is it? I mean... It, on a base level, no. Yeah. Somebody did something really fucking bad. Right. Yeah, no. It, I mean, on the base level, it seems like someone was going to make a big goddamn campaign contribution as, you know, for uh, in exchange for somebody being like, hey, what's the next thing you're going to throw at Activision? Let me know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me what your, what your litigation strategy is. What are you going to say in front of the judge? What are you going to say in front of the jury? You know, mm -hmm. like, how are you going to talk about it? Let me know. Yeah, that sounds cool. No, I've never heard of uh, Bobby Kotick. I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't live in California or make donations to my campaign. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I just, I just want to know, you know, it, it'll be fun. It, everything about Look, you're this. talking about some very high level attorneys here mm -hmm. like like not like you know first year people with like a bug up their ass for mm -hmm. like doing good you're talking about like seasoned people who resigned for what the both the governor and the director of the uh, agency say is basically no reason mm -hmm. doesn't scan no, it's just sorry no, not, not when two not, of your top lawyers yeah. looked at all the evidence and went nope we're the fuck out yeah it's, this is yeah this is i don't want my name on this fucking case because nothing about it is good yeah. or ethical or fair so yeah um fuck blizzard man <laughs> you know what at microsoft it, it seems like hopefully you're just gonna have like a spare 70 billion dollars lying around here pretty soon give us a call yeah <laughs> we really like xbox game pass and you know maybe maybe you could sponsor us maybe you have spare change I, I can promise you you can sponsor us for less than far, 72 far, billion dollars far, far less you could probably get us for like what raid shadow legends people get <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know maybe the payout's really good for raid shadow legends we don't know maybe we have no sponsors and this is why yeah <laughs> and that's everything that we have for the news this week we're going to take a quick break and get into a way more fun topic in the boss room boss room hey everyone welcome back to the show this is the boss room our main topic for the show sometimes related to the news sometimes not you know listeners coming up with a new main topic every week isn't always so easy Honestly, some days I struggle to get pen to paper, so to speak, uh, right up until the zero hour when I have to have the script ready to record. This week, however, was the opposite of that. So allow me to set the stage for you. Regularly, after work, I get home, I feed my cats, I change into my comfy pants, and I message my wonderful co-host, Hector. 
After grabbing an alcoholic beverage, I sit down and Hector and I will boot up a few games of Overwatch to decompress for the day. Now, while we were doing it this week, that kind of got me thinking. Why is this our ritual after work? Yeah. Uh, more importantly, kind of why is Overwatch the game that we keep coming back to? Which in turn inspired the theme of this week's show, games that keep us coming back. So this week, let's talk about the games that no matter what's going on in our lives, we keep coming back to and why. Mm. So we can start with Overwatch, really. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That's this Overwatch is a good one. Let's not forget this game came out in 2016. Yep. We've been playing it for... Uh, uh, almost six years now. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a, people like to talk a lot about skitter boxes, but really, uh, for me, it's like a core gameplay loop, a like thing that is fun for like 30 to 90 seconds. And then you're doing something else that's fun for the same increment of time. Mm-hmm. That keeps me coming back. But for me, when it comes to Overwatch, and this is weird to say, given the current climate of the game. But it's the quality of it. Mm-hmm. It's that I can know what's going on in the game by hearing it mm-hmm. without seeing it and by seeing it without hearing it. It's that I enjoy all of the characters. And even after having played every character as much as I have, I still love it when different ones talk to each other and say things I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. There's... um Obviously, the the gameplay itself has kept me coming back because that's the like moment to moment thing. Sure, but yeah, I, I think it's 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 the quality, the world building, the story, and probably my hope for the future of the game. Yeah, I can totally get that. Um, for me, it's a couple things. Um, one of the things that keeps me coming back is you. Mm. Um, it's it's our ritual. We don't yeah. do it every day, but it definitely whenever there's a new event, we hop on, we play. We don't play for that long, maybe no, an hour, hour, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hour, hour and a half, and it's yeah. just like chance to talk, right? It's the yeah. the social the social aspect of it, the the camaraderie of it, mm-hmm. just uh, being able to um, you know when we're not working together, uh, just being able to like uh, tackle a task together, conquer mm-hmm. something, which is. Leads us into my next game. Okay. Because it's a game I've been trying to get you on. And he hasn't resisted. He, we just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about Deep Rock Galactic. All right. Let's do it. Deep Rock Galactic um, came out in early access. We actually saw the first trailer for it at an E3 several years ago. Okay. Uh, we were, yeah, it was the, the three of us, you, UI and Tony, and we were watching probably E3, probably at my house, and it was probably like 2018 or 2019. Um, and yeah, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, well, that looks cool, especially for an indie game, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't fuck with early access games and I still, for the most part, don't. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what it's like. And it came out and it flew under my radar and a bunch of people jumped on and started playing it. And then I played it one time. I was like, you know what? I I thought this was the core gameplay loop of Deep Rock Galactic. Right. So this is the important part, right? So. In Deep Rock Galactic, you play as a dwarf miner who lives in outer space. Mm. You live on so a... So like a, a miner is and he mines rocks, not that he's underage. Not that he's underage. No, he is a... That's a totally different he's game. He's a big, great, bushy beard. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No, he's... Yes, he, he mines ore and minerals and rock. And basically the setup is you are a dwarf in a crew of dwarfs who lives on a space station that orbits a planet that is basically just a giant rock full of caves. Mm -hmm. It's not dead. It has a warm center and it has layers and layers and layers of all kinds of rock and mineral and everything. But 
All you do is get in a giant drill that flies through space, hits the planet, dives deep enough for them to open you out into a cave, and then gives you a task. Mm -hmm. Collect so much of this, get this thing from here to here, um, you know, extract this liquid material that we need to run our spaceship. Extract all the gold in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, Kill two of these uh, big enemies that have been harassing other convoys. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. And what you do is you go in either solo with your little robot companion or with up to four, with up to three other dwarves. Mm -hmm. Three other dwarves is important because there are four classes of dwarf. Ah. When you get down there, there is a driller who has big drills for hands. Mm -hmm. There is an engineer who can set up turrets to defend your area, but also make basically instant platforms wherever he wants. Oh, fun. Literally wherever he wants in the world, which allows you to go way up high and just stand on a ledge, Mm -hmm. which is good for the gunner who can create a little zip line and like get up and down to places like a mechanical, like grandma chair, like on the stairs. Okay. Like, and everyone can use it. Or there is the scout who is goddamn Batman. (laughs) He just has a super fast little zip line gun that takes him places. Mm -hmm. And now all these mechanics work in tandem to let you collect things. The driller drills through walls, some solid walls sometimes that you can't see beyond except with your radar, mm-hmm. into other caves. And uh, the scout who can get minerals that are up high on the wall cannot get them because he can't stand anywhere to mine them out with his pickaxe. Right. But with an engineer, you can create a platform there. Mm-hmm. And a gunner basically shoots things when all the bugs that live in the planet come after you for disturbing their shit. Right. Uh, what's the best way to describe this game? You get in, you get into your cave. It is pitch fucking black because there's nothing above you. You're in a cave. Mm-hmm. It's just above you and below you. It's cramped. It's tight. And, you know, you, everyone has a little flair. Mm-hmm. And so you create light and you look for minerals and you point things out to each other depending on who everyone's class is. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, scout, you can get up there. Engineer, I need a platform. A driller, drill through this wall. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just doing their own thing, combining together, doing a good job. And then you'll go from a tiny little cave and you'll break through into the next one. And it'll be a completely different biome. And there'll be grass on the floor and it'll be tall like you're in the Hall of the Mountain King. There's Mm -hmm. still no, there's a ceiling, but it could be miles above you. Mm -hmm. And you might need to get up there because there might be minerals up there. So now you're building up or drilling up or powering up to wherever you're going. So what is it about this game that keeps coming back to it then? Um... The camaraderie of it. There is an entire game, there's an entire button in the game dedicated to celebrating with your friends. You Aww, literally I just take that. your pickaxe, put it over your head, and you say, for rock and stone, mm-hmm. because that's how the dwarves talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And everyone does it all the time. <laughs> there is a, a a feeling that, okay, so, so you're always mining gold, but sometimes you'll find a really thick, huge gold nugget in the yeah. wall. And when you dig it out and you ping it so everyone notices it, your character says, we're rich. <laughs> and it is bad luck for everyone else not to ping the gold nugget and also say we're rich before you turn it in. This is just in. a weird. Thing this is just a gamer thing. This isn't anything the game. This is any, not anything the game designed. Mm-hmm. This is how the community talks to each other. This is how the community talks to itself. There is a mission type where you ride a giant drill as it creates a path through whatever procedurally procedurally generated level Mm -hmm. that the world created. Um, Which I I haven't mentioned this, but every every level you've ever played in this game was procedurally generated by the game. You'll never play the same level twice. You'll Mm -hmm. never go through the same cave twice. And it is by far the most perfect implementation of um, procedural generation I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. It is flawless. 
but you'll be riding this uh, giant drill, and the giant drill has a little head, and it has a name. All the dwarves call it Doretta, and you can actually pet its head as it like <laughs> looks around and drills through things. At the end of the level, it drills into something very uh, reactive and very explosive. And at the end of the mission, Doretta's head always comes off. Mm-hmm. And your goal is to take the thing that she drilled, put it on your little mechanical crawler, and run the fuck back to where you started before you get eaten. Mm-hmm. You can pick up Doretta's head. And you can take it back to the evacuation point with you. Mm-hmm. You get absolutely nothing for doing it. Mm-hmm. And you never leave Doretta behind. And every wow. anyone who's ever played that game before, who's ever played that level, knows to do it. And anyone who's never played that level before, that level type before, watches everyone else bring Doretta's head back. And then they know you don't leave Doretta behind. Wow. Uh, there is a... Uh, one, one more thing and I'll shut up. There is a tip jar at the bar. There's a bar in the space station before you launch a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beer all has different effects. Like, it might make you mine faster. It might make you have more health. It might make you shoot straighter. It might just make you drunk and not be able to see straight. It might <laughs> teleport you randomly while you're in the level. There's all kinds of different beers for all kinds of different fun. But there's a tip jar. And you, do, you earn money for mining. You earn minerals for mining. And that helps you upgrade your equipment to become a better miner as you level up. Okay. Um, there's a tip jar and it's like an inconsequential amount of money. It's like five credits when you probably have hundreds of thousands of credits Mm -hmm. and you get nothing for doing it. But that bartender has been serving you and your friend's beers, little robot bartender Mm -hmm. has been serving you and your friend's beers for hundreds of drops now. Mm -hmm. And you, you just click the tip jar (laughs) because I mean, he deserves it. This is the type of game it is. And there's so many more little Easter eggs that I won't spoil here. But the game, a lot like Overwatch, it's the quality and the character of it and just the absolute earnestness of the game Mm -hmm. that made the community the least toxic community I've ever seen. I've never seen anybody do anything more than like you have to repair during this portion, lol. Right. And like, and, and then the people who don't know how are like, oh, my bad. And then they do it. And it's great. Yeah. Um, it is so, so cooperative um, that it's wholesome, hmm. even I though it's, that. you know, that, yeah, it, it's, it's just wonderful. <laughs> it's one of the best games I think has ever been made um, as far as cooperative multiplayer games goes. Um, the second season is just about to come out at the end of the month. It's mm-hmm. their second season pass. They've come a long way since they launched. The season passes are all a hundred percent free, um, and you earn them. You earn things in them just by playing the game. The game has never asked me for any money except for cosmetic packs they release every couple of months that I absolutely do not have to get, but mm-hmm. I do every time. Not because I want to look cool, but because I just want to give them more money. Wow, that's yeah. a that's high praise. Mm-hmm. High praise. When I was thinking about this concept about games that keep us coming back, there was a couple things that came to mind. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover two games pretty quick. Um, th- games that may be coming back or keep me coming back are usually things that I will either A, play once a year, mm-hmm. or B, Lord help me, I have bought it several times. If, oh, I, if yeah. I have bought the game several times on different platforms, mm-hmm. it, it qualifies here. Oh, yeah. So to the buying it several times port, um, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I oh, have probably shoot. bought this game like 10 times. Yep. Bought the game on PlayStation, bought the game on PlayStation 3, bought the game. It's on my Vita, it's on my phone, it's on my toaster, like Symphony of the Night. Um, What's to be said that hasn't been said before about Castlevania Symphony of the Night? I'm a huge Castlevania fan, played almost all the games. Mm -hmm. Um, It was definitely the one that 
really got me into the series. You know, it's an action platformer RPG with like really horrible voice acting, but a really heartfelt story. Yeah. And it was everything that I loved. I was a goth kid growing up and Symphony of the Night, like let me play as Alucard and I was really into Vampire Hunter D and like that was, there's correlations there. Yeah. Right. The game is so deep too though. Like it feels like a game you can play over and over again because like every, every, there there are so many enemies in the game and they Mm -hmm. all have a loot table. They can all drop something and nearly all of them drop something unique. Mm -hmm. um, That's a part of their kit that you can use in the game, which is a great creative choice, which I'm pretty sure that's where dark souls, demon souls got that (laughs) shit from. Uh, Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you're talking about a game that before we're talking about PlayStation one mm. that a lot of people beat and didn't know they were only halfway through. That's true. That's what I was actually going to say is like, mm. I actually, when I played through it the first time I got the bad ending. Yeah, I was like, that's a, I was like, that's a weird place to end yeah. the game. And then like, I found out like, by yeah. the way, there's, there's an entire back half of this game. No, I, I went back to school the next day, told my friends I beat it. And they all looked at me funny. Like, but did you though? And I was like, but didn't so, I though? So, so for me, I beat it. And I was like, well, that's weird, but I still kind of want to play the game a little bit. So what I did is I loaded up my save and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, look, there's some spots on the map that I missed. And I just started kind of wandering. Um, and that's how I started stumbling into the rest of the map. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's a yeah. whole there's a whole ass other thing. Here. I can turn into mist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. What happened here? So Symphony of the Night, hands down, brings me back because it's so easy to just pick up play. It's uh, aside from the spells, which, by the way, <laughs> fuck you, Konami, for that one. Um, the controls are simple. Anybody, oh, yeah. can, Everybody can pick up and play the game. Mm-hmm. Hell, I didn't even know that there were spells in the game until I accidentally did one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the type of thing you have to look up. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but yeah, I just keep coming back to Symphony of the Night. And honestly, like I played it a, a million times at this point, and I... I have it like 90% memorized, but I still find myself coming back to it once a year going, like, where the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, it's also the game where like for years and years I had a save that was like 99.9% castle. And I'm just oh, yeah. like, so for me and, and rest in peace, my emerald green memory card, oh, I don't no. know where you are, but someday <laughs> I hope to find you again. in my parasite Eve save, um, I had I found out there was like this mysterious two hundred and six percent run, where you can run back through the entrance gate. Oh, and I became and like going to the forest. I became obsessed with doing it until I finally pulled it off. And so on my save, I actually had like the two hundred six percent because I was just I had to have it for whatever stupid reason. I just had to have that run complete. No, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I get it. The second one that I'm going to kind of briefly touch on is a Nintendo game that I grew up with. Um, games that keep me coming back are, um, we watch a lot of speed running. Oh yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of watching speed running. Uh, obviously GDQ is such a great fundraising event, watching gamers help, you know, raise money for great causes. Um, there's never been a game that I've sat down and played and gone like, you know, if I was going to be a speed runner, this would be my game, mm-hmm. but there is one and nobody plays it anymore. Really? The original Bionic Commando on NES. Ooh, okay. I loved this game, girl. All right. Everything about it. And the reason I always thought, you know, maybe I could speed run this is I remember for years and years and years, I would play this game. I would boot up my Nintendo, even when the consoles had evolved and I would still play Bionic Commando. I would get it on emulator and do it. Like, I just fucking loved this game. 
And you know what? I'll even kind of partially go to bat for the shitty PS2 game that came out. Like it was okay. Was that? Uh, uh, are you are you talking about the one? I think it was PS3, like there the was remake. The, no, so there was two different games that came out during that time. Okay. Um, there was Bionic Commando Rearmed, which was a reimagining of the original game. Yeah, the 2D like, one. Right? That that was a lot of fun. Loved mm-hmm. it. Had a good time. Then there was the 3D one oh, where yeah. his wife became his arm, and that was weird. Yeah, they wanted to make it like into a like a hard sci-fi, like right. angsty. It was, it, like, was, it was weird. Yeah, it was very you know, of its time. It was fine. Yeah. Um, but the original Nintendo Bionic Commando, I played that game obsessively, not knowing much about how anything operated in the game. I actually don't didn't know about how much of the game operated until much later in life. Like it, it was just like, how do the radios work? I don't know. I fiddle with it, and then an area opens up. All right, yeah. cool. Now I understand, like having gone back and watched speedrunners and they, them talking about each individual item and how it relates to one another. I'm like, oh, I've kind of been accidentally doing it right along. But the thing that made me think about, like, oh, you could do this as a speedrun, is I remember watching. Uh, I cannot remember the speedrunners. I think it's PJ something. Anyways, it's a old old speedrun from GDQ, and he talks about like certain movement tech that you can use, like to oh. swing a certain way and grapple up and you can skip entire sections of the level. And watching it, those were all tricks that I was doing when I was a kid. (laughs) I figured out how to do all that stuff, but I didn't know that was movement tech for speed running. It was just, that's how I navigated the level. I I accidentally stumbled on it and I was like, oh, this is faster. I'll just do it this way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and it's just one of those games that I'll just go back to once a year and just go, God, I miss this game. It's so good. And like I said, I do love Bionic Commando Rearmed. But the thing is, is that all the movement tech, all of that stuff, I remember it from the the Nintendo one, and it's why it's so, like, just in my heart, and Mm -hmm. why I love it so much. Yeah. So, what have you got for me? What other (sighs) games reel you back in and keep you playing them? I have a ritual, which I'm currently going through right now in my house. Every Remedy game I've ever played, I play through at least twice. Um, this goes all the way back to Max Payne 1, um, which was uh, Remedy and Rockstar. Hey, that remake's coming out, though. Yeah, I know. So I played Max Payne 1. I love third-person games, and I love character action games, and I especially love them when they like to get a little heavy with the story mm-hmm. um, because it feels less like I am Gordon Freeman from first person and mm-hmm. more like I'm watching a story play out. And that's just my bag. I I love that. That's why I also love spectacle fighters like Devil May Cry because Mm. it's still like we're getting the story and goofy as it fucking is. Like I love the rhythm of the gameplay. But third person games are 100% my jam. So when Max Payne came out, it was like a revelation to me. It's like this is Detective Noir, Bullet Time. Detective Noir, Bullet Time. It was the Matrix and the Maltese Falcon all wrapped into one, like drowned in whiskey and like shoved into a gutter next to like scotch coming from your console. Next to like a a, a hooker, you know, blowing a hobo. Like like that's (laughs) this game. Right? It's just like dark and dirty and just keeps getting dirtier and the main character's baby was killed by a fucking guy high on drugs who broke into his house and it, like, like oh, the whole thing is just fucking terrible, right? <laughs> but then he runs out and gets attacked by people while he's a cop so he can kill them because that's that, that's that's how that works. <laughs> and um, he has bullet time. Uh, bro, we, so live in, we, we live in Texas. That is how that yeah, works. That is exactly how that works. <laughs> um, he heals himself by taking pill- painkillers. Mm. This is this is the game. You're literally grabbing painkillers out of people's medicine cabinets oh, God. to do, like, keep your health good. Like, at some point, you're more bullet than flesh, but, like, the painkillers <laughs> are working. 
Anyway. Thank you, Oxycodone. Yeah. So, but anyway, so like this is this game and this is 100% my shit. And it has a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor. And it has a lot of references to like other video games and a lot of David Lynch movies and shit like that. Which is my shit. Yeah, exactly. This is why I like I can't believe that you're not going to play this game till the remake. But you shouldn't. You should wait till the remake. Because mm. it's going to be amazing and not dated. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I play every one of those games twice. And right now, I am currently running through my second playthrough of Control. Because most of these games, uh, Remedy games, going from Max Payne 1, Max Payne 2, Alan Wake, and... um, Break... I always have a quantum break. Thank oh, you. Okay, I was like, what, yeah. Breaking Dawn? Are we going into no, some no, Twilight no. stuff? No, 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 no. <laughs> quantum break, which was the the last game that they did. That I think that was the Xbox One exclusive. Oh, yeah, I remember that yeah, game. Yeah, it came, with, the, a, the, it came weird... with a TV show. Yeah, that yeah, one. It would literally, you'd finish a chapter of the game and sit down for a half an hour of like quality television right. with a bunch of actors that were in like The Wire and shit like on HBO. Right. Like weird. Little Fingers in there. Like, wow. like yeah. But anyway, so all of those games I play twice. The only mm. one I haven't played twice is Alan Wake. And that's because I, I just never got around to it. And now there's a remake and I need to get it and play it that you way. You need to, my man. I I've, fucking love I've, Alan Wake. I've done it. Yes. I've, I can't believe I slept on Alan Wake. Though. Oh, man. Yeah. That game was absolutely your jam. But I play all those games twice because there's so much mystery in your first playthrough. And in your second playthrough, you're just really getting the mechanics down. You can up the difficulty. You can try the challenge because they really do make the games fun to play. And even the hard modes are still very fair. But you just have to be good at it. I don't know, it. man. Fuck Alan Wake. <laughs> those can, those tank controls can go fuck themselves. Yeah, no, that is, that is very true. But, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I just... I so love you're it. currently working on a game that I purchased today. Yes. that you're. I would literally love to just sit here and watch you play the first hour of that game. Yeah. And which, so the game yeah. is Control. Mm-hmm. And the way that you sold it to me, and I know that we've said this on the show before, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to play it. You were like, it's really pretty. It's about a spooky house that's own, that the, a government building yeah. is around it. Mm-hmm. It's all about like this but i was like i i don't know man it sounds pretty generic and then you went but you love the book house of leaves and it is house of leaves if it was a video game and i'm like that's still a hard sell man (laughs) like you can't fucking turn house of leaves into a video game and you're like okay not all the way you're like you at least backpedaled a little bit you're like okay but not like all the way but like but we're like 80 percent there yeah 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 you you get the same you get the exact same vibe from this place that you right. did from the house in House of Leaves, right? Which which to be fair, like you know, there's a really great horror series called mm-hmm. Channel Zero that I love, mm-hmm. and the second season of it because it's an anthology series, they have a story called No, uh, I think it's No End House. Oh yeah, or, I remember or, No End. Yeah, House. and I remember watching this, and I'm like. They tried to make a House of Leaves. Yeah. Like, they can't do it because you can't film House of Leaves. But right. they, they tried. Yep. You, I mean, when, I can't, I, I, I want to I watch you play it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I'm off tomorrow, so we can do whatever. Shit, yeah. Um, but yeah, you were saying, you know, Control is kind of like House of Leaves, the game, where mm-hmm. it's kind of this house that kind of keeps going and, and yeah, going it, it's, and going it's, and going. Yeah, it truly, you will, you... How do I describe it? And this is not a spoiler. This is just the, the the manifestation that is the oldest house. It is a building that no one can see unless they've already seen it. Or someone, like, brings it out and shows it to you. And then suddenly it's there. And most people don't find it. And most people who go inside never come out. Mm. But it's also infinite on the inside you walk inside and you can go to all the same places and you can navigate around but it just keeps getting bigger and it just keeps changing Mm -hmm. and you can't say the deeper you go in because there's no there's no depth to it there's no height to it It, it's like 
I, I don't know. It's like being inside of a Dyson sphere. It's like the sun's on the inside. That's how big this thing is. Right. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I I love playing it again. And again, yeah, the reason I keep coming back to these games is the atmosphere is and the story is good the second time through, mm. and the gameplay is even more fun because hopefully it gives you a mode where you've already unlocked everything. Yeah. And even if it doesn't, it's still fun to go and like unlock different things first, like Resident Evil style, and like yeah. like change up your build. So, I just downloaded it. It's sitting on my console yeah. right now. No, no, no. It's uh, yeah. I'll always come back to Remedy games because they put so much love and effort into those. Max Payne Three as well. Yeah. At, at what I would consider one of the well, no, Quantum Break was worse. Well, I, I would consider it one of the weaker uh, Remedy games. Max Payne Three was still a very good game. It yeah. had its its style was correct. Mm. So I'm just going to knock a couple out really fast mm-hmm. uh, because they're kind of kind of all thematically related mm-hmm. as such. Yeah. So um, Slay the Spire, XCOM, Into the Breach, F- FTL. Okay, yeah. All of these are either collectible uh, card games mm-hmm. or... Um, top-down they're, strategy. They're top-down strategy games. Yeah. Love top-down strategy games. I used to do a segment a while back, um, for those of you new to the show, um, where on Saturdays um, at night, I would don a character, mm-hmm. uh, a, a late night radio show host persona, and I would put on a Guy Fieri style like bowling shirt, and I would wear my actual sunglasses, which are like prescription sunglasses, with all the lights off, and I would do something called tactics and chill. Yeah, and I would just put on um, the most chill sound, like some lo-fi or whatever chill music I could find, mm-hmm. and it would like, and I would just stream it on Twitch, and it would just be me and this character doing this voice and just like meant to be it, I, it was before asmr mm-hmm. was a thing but i could see how it would be kind of compared to that right but you were just trying you were literally trying to vibe you yeah were I was like, and you vibe. wanted people to come in and vibe with you yeah yeah and that's all it was and i want to bring it back at some point because i had a lot of fun doing that and it's a, such a stupid character but it's so much fun to do yeah. but but i love top-down tactical games i love mm-hmm. games like civ where there are like world conquering games especially civ because civ doesn't rely on you having to win through combat mm-hmm Oftentimes, I, I, I only win through combatants of mm-hmm. 5% of the time. It's usually politics, religion, yeah. um, just, you know, having more power. Yeah, I, um, Any game that lets so you, much. like, beat a, an enemy by making them your friend. Right, I love that. Being mm-hmm. able to talk to an enemy and talk them down. I've never played Undertale, but I hear that's one of the great Ooh. things about Ooh, Undertale is yeah. you can just talk enemies down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to always have to resort to combat, and that's why I love Civ. XCOM's a, a different beast. I've oh, been yeah. playing XCOM since the original XCOM. Ooh, like, yeah. baby me played the XCOM. And so I love tactics. You know, top-down tactical games yeah. and like that's one more, yeah. is more like chess. It's, yeah, it's, it is it's, yeah. a lot like chess, um, and I just love it. And you and you fail a lot in these games, and I, I'm great with a failure because I always come away learning something. Um, things like Into the Breach and FTL, those mm. are you know roguelike oh, yeah. games. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot to it, and I just love those kind of games, and they, they keep me coming back because they, I feel like they engage my mind a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a good shooter, right? But, oh, absolutely. You know, um, but but a game like Into the Breach or um, FTL has such a like simple mechanical like beauty to it. Mm-hmm. To where, like, if you fuck up, the game was telling you you were about to fuck up, and yeah. you just didn't see it. But you, you're sometimes you're just picking uh, the best of bad options. Yeah, you know, and that's there's a beauty to that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those games. And I apologize to anybody who's on my current tech team in Austin. I I literally just named all of my XCOM characters after y'all. Oh, some of y'all are gonna <laughs> die. <laughs> so, gonna be good. <laughs> so yeah, tactical uh, games, roguelikes, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Those keep me coming back because I just feel engaged with them. And I just, I love the appeal of just like 
feeling like I'm really putting thought into it. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's like a good game of chess yeah. for me. What have you got? What, what else? Uh, what else brings you to the yard when it comes to games you play over and over again? I'm gonna mention um, a couple. Don't of, mention your hentai games. No, please. no, this no. Is not the the hentai place games that those stay in the closet. <laughs> yeah, th- th- those are yeah, a top shelf. In Just the for back. The, those of you who don't know <laughs> from me and Hector, occasionally I will buy Hector a hentai game on Steam, not for him to play it, but just so that it exists in his games yeah. so that other people can see that he owns it. It's I just literally, in my library. Everybody can yeah. see that he has it and he doesn't have an excuse. They're like, why do you own like 15 hentai games? And he came, He's like, like, what am I going to be? It's, it, what, they were what, gifts. Someone what, gave you 15 hentai right. games? Sure. Who's going to believe you, Hector? <laughs> no one's going to believe you. I'd have to keep all my like gift receipts <laughs> in a Google folder and be like, look, I have fucking receipts. Uh, That's no. the kind of friendship we have. <laughs> exactly. I just fuck with you that way. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Um, no, it's not, um, games with impeccable atmosphere, mm-hmm. games that I can lose myself in. And, and yeah. that's really what we're going for lose when yourself. we play a video style. game. You know, I want to play a game that is so just dripping in atmosphere that I won't, I won't remember what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. I won't remember that, you know, I like, I have work tomorrow or mm-hmm. that I have some chores to do in a few days or that there's a stressful meeting I have coming up. Yeah. For me, um, and I'm just going to name a few games that have nothing to do with each other with impeccable atmosphere. Um, The first one that comes to mind is Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is one of the best Metroidvanias ever made. Mm. It is amazingly simple and also robust and cute and dark and also a little bit twee. It's just (laughs) so sweet sometimes. And uh, I don't know. It's it's also bone-crunchingly difficult Mm. in in some of its challenges. Like, Like... masochistically difficult in some of its mm-hmm, challenges mm-hmm. but that game you get inside and when the music hits and the sound effects hit and you have it turned up and the, the lights are low like you can just melt into that you game. vibe with it yeah another game that's exactly like that i talked about it a little bit last week when we talked about downtime in video games but ghost of tsushima is a lot like that everything in that game every button press every sound effect if you have the ps4 5 version every sound that comes out of the controller adds mm-hmm. you every way the controller vibrates just digs you further and further deeper into the experience i can mm-hmm. turn that game on and lose a day Wow. No problem. I love that. I love games that do that. Uh, my last one in this list, games with impeccable atmosphere, Dead Space 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I can... We had Dead Space news this week, but I didn't put it in the news. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, they're, 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 uh, wait, wait, there was Dead Space news. Right, week? so they're doing the Dead Space remake. We yeah. talked about it previously mm-hmm. on the show. I didn't really qualify as being important enough to really put it in the news segment, but the long and short of it was... Fans of Dead Space are huge fans of Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they watched the trailer for the new game, they had some complaints. Okay. And was, this wasn't like gamer complaints in air quotes. Right. Like, it's like, why is the girl what, a different color skin now? Like, why does why is he not have a big enough booty or whatever? Yeah. Um, there was complaints lodged against the way that the gun, I forget what it's called, the 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 welding device. Oh, yeah, yeah, device. the arc welder. The, the arc welder, the mm. way that it sounded and the way that it looked like it felt mm-hmm. in the trailer. And they're like, it doesn't look like it feels the same way that it did originally. And the programmers went back and went, you know, first off, you guys were being extremely reasonable and nobody like yelled at us about it. You mm. just lodged a couple of complaints. And two, you're absolutely right. And so they went back, they fixed it and uploaded a new video this week. And they're like, what do you think? And the community went, fuck, man, you listen to us. This is great. We're totally buying this game. Oh, man. Yeah, that's I need to go watch that trailer. So, mm. yeah, th- this is a game that by it, it 
practically invent uh, didn't invent it's the third idea person of stems. action yes. sci-fi horror yes exactly the game takes place on the Ishimura which is a ship that seems to be a spaceship that seems to be for all intents and purposes and I'm using air quotes for the radio of an, an, <laughs> dead in the water yeah it has derelict yes it has stopped moving and uh, did you have another crew coming by to see what you know what's going on mm-hmm. what, what the problem is and the ship turns out fucking shit's haunted Taunted as fuck. Cock your guns. Ship's haunted. Yep, but um, you are an engineer. You don't have guns. You, you, you're not a. You're not a soldier. You have a relatively sci-fi and kind of advanced spacesuit that is good for protecting you from the elements. And you have a welding. But torch. you are not ghost-proof. No, you're not ghost-proof at all. You're also not knife-proof. And this haunted ship is full of knife ghosts. Ooh, they're I don't like knife mostly, ghosts. They're mostly knives. They're more knife than ghost. I mean, they they are just like ninety percent. So knives. basically, this was like the Iron Chef ship. That crashed, and they just all have knives. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> knives kind of grow out of them. It's it's a whole thing. Um, but anyway, this game has impeccable atmosphere. The game will literally change the ambiance of everything around you as enemies get closer. Mm-hmm. It affects the music. It affects the atmosphere. It affects the way like certain sounds like spin around you because um, the, the enemies just make noise as they sneak about, and they're hunting you. And mm-hmm. and over time, you realize that. Um, some of the most high-powered and disturbing sound effects you'll ever hear. Um, amazing visuals. Even the original version, you can go back and play it now on PC, and it's still a good-looking game. The first one. The mm. second one almost looks modern, and this game is over a decade old. And yet, it's still being remade. And it's still being remade because it should be, because this game deserves more of an audience now, because it's, to this day, no one's made a better sci-fi action horror game. Like, not even close. Not mm-hmm. even remotely close. I do love me some good sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Event Horizon is like a once-a-year watch yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That, that dirty, gritty, like, hard sci-fi horror. Love that. So yeah, I'm super excited to play Dead Space. It was another one of those ones kind of like Alan Wake that every time I mention I haven't played it, people are like, really? You, the horror guy, yeah. like have not played this? Like, yeah, what happened? Yeah, it just, it fell off my radar. Yeah, it happens. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to take an easy out here. Okay. Um, th- this is kind of low-hanging fruit. I'm a big fan of uh, late 80s, early 90s beat-em-ups. Oh, hell yeah. Anytime I'm in an arcade, mm-hmm. give me a Turtles game. Yeah. Give me X-Men. Mm-hmm. Streets um, I, of Rage. Streets of Rage. Oh, love Streets of Rage. That soundtrack to the original Streets Ooh, of Rage is yeah. so good. I remember, so back, but I'm going to give you some James history with this one. So obviously we've been hosting the podcast for, you know, about eight plus years at this point. Um, what a lot of people don't know about me is that I have cassette tapes from when I was a kid where I used to record music either off the TV, the radio, or um, off video games, actually. Okay. Uh, music that I loved. Because I, I, buying video game soundtracks wasn't a thing in the 80s. Yeah, it was very um, yeah, difficult, if not impossible. And I would record this music, and occasionally on some of these cassette tapes, I would pretend to DJ. <laughs> nice. We have come full circle. Yeah. Um, those tapes still exist. I'm going to be burning them at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would just pretend to radio DJ. And I remember the Streets of Rage one specifically because I had like almost an entire side of a cassette tape dedicated to me recording the music from Streets of Rage because I just loved it so much. Those old beat em ups have such a special place in my heart. Uh, things like Final Fight. Um, there's a, there's a couple D and D games that were beat em ups. Mm-hmm. Um, only one of them came to America. Uh, the other one was released in Japan. Um, I have them both for the Sega Saturn. They're in Japanese, but you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
most of my Saturn games are import games, and I don't speak a lick of Japanese. But um, yeah, those old beat 'em ups—they just have this amazing couch co-op quality to them, or that that nostalgia for like going to the arcade as a kid and like mom handing you a couple bucks and you and your friends like playing Ninja Turtles or you know any of those things. Just it, it it's a core memory for me, man. It just makes me so happy. Beat 'em ups are so mindless, mm-hmm. and I just. It just reminds me of greasy pizza and time with my friends yep. and just, it takes me back to a place like the, uh, the newest streets of rage is streets of rage four. And I still want to play it. Um, and it has an online option, but I don't want to do that. Nah, you got a couch that's, co-op. It. That's yeah. That's like, a, I'll go over to your place on a Friday and we just order like, you know, great Detroit style pizza yeah. and like, you know, have, kick back a couple of drinks and just play a beat em up because it's just time with your friend and that's the reason that beat em ups keep me coming back to them because it is just was such a part of my life growing up. And that's also why that kind of bleeds into the second thing that's kind of like low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. fighting games. Yeah, turning back Fight, on an old fighting game. Fighting games keep me coming back to them. I can mm-hmm. still play Street Fighter 2. Um, yeah, I'm playing things like Guilty Gear mm-hmm. or Street Fighter 5, but I can go back and play Street Fighter 2. I can play yeah. the original Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And those are all just core memories for me of being a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out with my friends. And, you know, I remember when I got Mortal Kombat, that was a huge deal because I was like pretty young. Oh, yeah. And of course, Everyone- the Controversy, like, oh. the controversy of the Mortal Kombat thing happened, yep. and yeah, and it just all my memories of that are just so happy, and that's why I keep coming back to playing fighting games. Mm-hmm. And I know, like I said, it's low hanging fruit because I'm kind of bundling fighting games and beat 'em ups as a, as no, a general collective. Really. But like, like, I don't know, I, I don't mean to be the other kind of fighting game person, ooh, but for me, how dare uh, you start? Just over on the other side of the fighting game. Um, uh, I don't know. Color Spectrum? wheel. Spectrum, <laughs> Spectrum color is wheel. good. Spectrum is good. Yeah. Um, I'm a smash guy and always have mm. been since high school. You know, we used to get together because four people could play. Yeah. So we'd get together for lunch in high school, me and all the other nerds at my school. It was a nerd school. Mm. It was literally God, a science a and math school. school. <laughs> God, I wish I was a nerd school. You don't. The ratio of women to men was <laughs> six to one. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Um, <laughs> We're not a lot of girls, but anyway, so we played a lot of Smash Brothers yeah. for that exact reason. And it sounds like you played Smash Brothers in multiple ways. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and then there was so like as as we got older and as Nintendo kept making Smash games, me and a smaller and smaller group of core friends from high school kept playing, mm-hmm. and we kept playing, we kept playing, we still play. Mm-hmm. When it came out for the Switch, uh, we, we we played every time they released a new character. It mm-hmm. was either at my house or his house. We'd go over, we'd throw it on. We haven't played in, like, like the last time we played, we hadn't played, like, in, like, a year before that. Mm. But we just threw it back on, dived right back in, yeah. knew what we were doing, and just fucking, like, brawled against each other. And we were so washed up. We were, like, trying to pull up combos we used to be able to and couldn't. <laughs> used like, to be all of that. so good back yeah. in the day. I know. But, you know, yeah, that, that was the thing. But, no, you're to, to tell a different story the exact same way, like, that is exactly what keeps me coming back to those games is... You know, playing it with your friends on the couch. I would never play a Smash game alone, ever in a million years. Same with a beat-em-up. Yeah. So we need to go ahead and start wrapping up the show. We've talked about a lot of really great games that kind of keep us coming back. I even have stuff that I didn't even list here, like the Resident Evil series. Yeah. Uh, SimCity keeps me coming yeah. back to play it. There's a, yep. a whole slew I, of games that I just come back to once a year. I've played a lot of Metal Gear Solid games multiple times. Yeah. I, I always want to go back to them. I love the weird Kojima stuff. I'm, I'm literally playing through Death Stranding again right now. And oh, that's like... I can't wait to Kojima play through Death Stranding again. I cannot wait to play through it again. Yeah. So if you had to really 
really boil it down as we wind down the show. What is it that would define a game that keeps you coming back to it? No matter the genre, no matter what it is, what's the, the, the central things that, in a game that keeps you coming back to it? I, I kind of have to think about it the way that I think about the movies that I always come back to. Sure. There are... We should definitely talk about that at some point. Oh, yeah. There are hundreds and thousands of games that I love. There are millions of games in the world, and more and more come out every year. Far too many for me to ever keep track of. Mm. But um, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of games that I like. But the ones that do the things that I like the best, mm. the best... Same thing with movies. Um, same thing with books. The books that I reread. Sure. The thing, the the ones that do the things that I enjoy the most, the absolute best, are the ones that I will play over and over again. They're the so, ones where so I look. I think look... to distill what you're saying down, mm-hmm. what makes a game replayable and makes you come back to it isn't necessarily a core mechanic of it, but that it kind of speaks to you. And then I'm not trying it's, to be pretentious here. No, but no, of, but it's the second it one. It speaks to you on no, a, pretend, on like no, a spiritual right. level. No, no, it's a game that talks to me specifically yeah. or I feel like it's talking to me specifically. I felt that well, way. I'm going to design a new game that's just going to be called Hector the Game. Yeah. And it's just going to speak to you. Yeah, and it's the only game I'll ever play. Yeah. I mean, again, like Ghost of Tsushima, um, Hollow Knight, uh, every Remedy game. Uh, mm. Games that uh, tell stories the best bring me coming back because I sure. like stories and games yeah. because I feel like it's a great medium to experience the story through mm. um and games that really just put all that you can feel every penny of production on the screen mm. you can feel all the love every developer had in every frame mm. like that is what keeps me coming back to a game it, yeah. It, yeah and uh I, I can't wait to do it more if a, if i have a new game to play and i look at a game i want to replay and i strongly consider playing the older game first that game has done its job it mm. cast its spell and I'll definitely play it again. Yeah. I think for me, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, what makes a game replayable for me. What keeps me coming back to it? Because I've described a giant breadth of genres and game types and, you know, no, there's no through line to all of it, right? I talked about strategy games just as much as I talked about beat-em-ups just as much mm-hmm. as I talked about fighting games. Um, it's... There's something about just being engrossed in the experience. You know, I haven't talked about Death Stranding is one of those that, you know, I yeah. just, I want to come back to and I want to come back to over and over. I don't want to come back every year to Death Stranding, but yeah. I want to revisit it every couple of years. Yeah, well, it's too and big. Like, um, yeah. For, yeah, I, I really want to do that. I don't think there's one central thing that speaks to me, just like you were saying, they're just movies and books and everything. Like you, I could sit here for the next hour and a half and defend Lost in Translation to everybody. I'm not <laughs> going to. By the way, if you want to sponsor us on Patreon to listen to me talk for an hour and a half about how amazing the movie Lost in Translation is, I will absolutely do that. But when it comes to video games, I don't know. I think you're right, though. When a game has had so much care put into it, whether it be the story or the mm-hmm. mechanics or anything, yeah. It just, I want to come back to it and just spend more time with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, last week or week before, we talked about Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I beat Resident Evil 8. And you know what I did? I immediately restarted Resident Evil 8. Yeah. And, and I can't believe I haven't mentioned it yet, but there's a reason I have 250 hours in The Witcher 3. Yeah. It's because I love being there. I love being there. I you love, love the world. Just living in the world, reading all the books, listening to mm. all the people talk and tell me about their lives and what they need me to do. It, it drips with atmosphere and it draws me in and I just, I just want to live there. You just want to be a witcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is everything that we have for the show this week. 
Um, we, by the way, if you have games that you replay over and over again, we definitely want to hear about that. Yeah, please tell us. Um, don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast to become a patron of our show. By the way, like I said, I am working on the script for our my favorite sci-fi series of all time, The Expanse. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, like, just, it, it, can't, I, it can't be beat. It can't be beat. The Expanse, I'm reading the books. I am watching the show. I've watched the show multiple times. I'm going to rewatch the show for the Patreon episode. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us and uh, find me over at gnggcast on Twitter. Special thanks to patrons Keith, Chad, and Jack for support, for supporting our show. Uh, seriously, guys, you guys do keep us afloat here. Like, it, it's very important and it means so much to us that you would take time out of your lives and, and get, throw us a couple bucks. It, it really does mean a lot to us. Thank you very much. Um, until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.